Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. We're at That's What She Said, the monthly event happening in the Fillmore District of San Francisco. Women only, that's women with an X. So anyone who identifies as a woman is welcome in this house at the social study. Um, and tonight is our third comedy night. I'm so excited. I wouldn't say these are my favorites because they're all special for different reasons, right. but comedy night is a nice exhale, a nice release. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we do have one of the comedians featured this evening. Her name's Allie Littman. How are you? I'm good. Hey guys. Hey. Or ladies. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. It's this Men your first. To. Is this your first? That's what she said. Are you being divergenized at this moment? Yeah. Amazing. Definitely. <laughs> Welcome. Being divergenized. Yes. <laughs> Welcome. Hopefully this time will be better. Than the first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, well, I don't know what to do with that. I need more to keep going, but yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> Damn. She's I here all it. night, folks. Yeah, yeah definitely. You need to come back. <laughs> <laughs> You're already re-invited oh, to great. another podcast. <laughs> re-invited? I don't know. Um, so let's. You have a book coming out. I follow you on social media, yes. and it's all about the book all the time, which it, is exciting. It is all about the book right now. How did it come to fruition? It's called Radio Underground. Yeah, how it's did, called Radio how, Underground. How did this um, happen? So when I was a senior at Berkeley a while ago, no, oh, I'm not going to say how Berkeley. long. Like the 90s? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you go to Cal? No. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Sister saying, did. I'm just saying represent. Just, yeah, yeah Berkeley. My association. My sister did, and I love Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, I love Berkeley. Uh, so yeah, I, I wrote a senior thesis on um, listening to rock and roll in Eastern Europe, as one does. Yeah, as one does. Yeah. I found these letters these teenagers wrote to a rock and roll DJ um, in the '60s, and rock and roll was outlawed in Hungary, and they were writing these letters secretly to this secret DJ. What? Um, so cool. Yeah, and I I started writing stories about them, and that turned into Radio Underground, which is about an underground journalist who helped start the Hungarian Revolution of 1956 through um, an illicit radio station, which well, which uh, happened. And that's a big reason why the revolution picked up speed. And people were turning to the secret radio stations to escape and, um, you know, collaborate and all that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is... Awesome. That sounds so interesting. Yeah. And timely. Let's face yeah. it. It is timely. timely. It's about speaking up. It's about... I wasn't... Expe unfortunately, wasn't expecting it to be so right. timely. Right? <laughs> I was going to ask, how long have you been writing the book? Seven years. Yeah. So I started when Obama was in office. And yeah, feeling hopeful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hopeful every day. It's not so attacked. crazy. We talk to artists of all sorts all the time, and it's the same thing. Like We started working on this project, and now that it's out, we had no idea how timely it would be. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it's about um, freedom of the press in many respects and the, the control of the media by both uh, this, the communist state and the U.S. and the West. They funded the secret radio, Radio for Europe. They funded that radio station to beam to Eastern Europeans. So mm -hmm. the ethics behind that is also something to think about. Um, so you really wrote this for, well, I was going to say for future readers like this is going to be like our underground propaganda that we're going to have to take with us. I'm getting really dark now. I'm like, wow. we're going to have to sneak this in somewhere. I know. I'm yeah, scary. Push-ups, my muscles. We're going to have to start yeah. making tunnels. It's definitely not. Um, it's a little more plot driven than it is. It's not like as 
intellectually intense as, for example, The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, it's quite plot driven and and the up, so, ups and so downs. Which and character is Sarah Huckabee Sanders then? <laughs> <laughs> is she in? Because oh I'm offended. She and and you better apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it is also a lot about um, family dynamics because the main underground journalist is a mom who sacrifices time with her family and her family ultimately mm. for the mm. uh, cause so to speak right. and the daughter is a communist who is that way because she's trying to survive and protect herself and very much sees her mom as destructive to the family so wow. there's huh. that's the main um, the main area where it, it focuses on a family and, and that type of stuff so um, ba- and basically the mom is thrown in jail and the daughter disavows the mom and nine years later is Ooh. brought back into the mother's circle to find out she's gone mad in an underground prison and the daughter could potentially save her and has to figure out if and when she will. So Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, how but I'm also funny. No, <laughs> I know. It's so comedy. comedy. Not, I need some laughs yeah. right now. I know. I'm like, how do I talk about both things? Well, go ahead. How much of the story did you take from your own personal experience as a journalist in New Mexico? Oh, as a yeah. um, Let's see. A little, definitely a little, not a lot, um, because it was so different. But when you're a journalist, there is a lot of um, unknown that you're working with, and people. When people read a news article, they're like, oh, journalists must know everything. It, they must just look up these facts. And But actually, there's so much just grunt work trying to get people to tell you what you need to know mm. or look up the documents. And the, the character in this story um, kind of bypasses all that hmm. because she's impatient and wants to see the revolution <laughs> happen hmm. and uh, manipulates the news broadcast. So... That's also kind of part of my personality is I can be very impatient. So it's kind of reflected in her, too. I, I never did that as a journalist, but <laughs> you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> urge to just like write something quickly yep. when you're you encounter so many barriers. And well, and the urge. Uh, my friend was just telling me about a documentary. I think it's on HBO about once you get a tip or news, you can't put it out right away. You have to wait. Yeah. Until it's the right time. So you're sitting there just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting until the yeah. right time. You have to verify it. Right. And right. I used to actually work in public relations, so I was kind of on the other side. Wait. Yes. Oh um, yeah. You are the winner of 14 Public Relations Society of America awards, three golds, five silvers, yes. and six bronzes. Yes. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. She She's an award winner. Yeah. 13 wasn't go. enough. 13 wasn't right. enough. You had to go for that 14. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that that PR is somewhat the other side of journalism. Right. Um, inf- trying to influence the media. Yep. And yep. that was really hard for me uh, to work in that profession. It was a challenge. Um, however, if I found that if you were really genuinely representing your client, then there was a way to feel good about it. But um, you encountered a lot of misrepresentation and subterfuge so I also I think that honestly influenced a little more my book because I I understood what lengths people would go to to create the news they wanted Mm. the narrative the narrative yeah yeah, to shape the narrative so yeah so how do you view news now I I look whenever I read a newspaper or listen to news I'm like oh well that was probably an interesting press release. I think of how, <laughs> yes, yep. you know, I think of where it's coming from, and yep. I, I never 
I never think, oh, this story must have organically bloomed from the journalist's mind. I'm like, oh, this is... I just imagine the press release behind it always or the tip they got. And um, and do you, yeah. do you feel that across the board? Or can you share with our listeners like a few different places that you look to news where you can... Where you feel like, okay, this is solid and I don't yeah. have to second guess? Um, just in your opinion, you, you don't have yeah. to speak for all of <laughs> Definitely Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> uh, I mean, I think that there's certain, yeah, I, I do listen to a lot of NPR and KQED. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe because listening is much easier for me than if I'm not seeing it, I don't imagine the press release as much. <laughs> and, and then you hear it from a nice voice. Yeah, for me, that hear, matters. I, I, I definitely get taken in by the nice voice. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, oh, this uh, is lovely. Exactly. Yeah. I like the intercept and um, New York Times stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, unfortunately, news journal. So, something I learned as a journalist if you don't have the resources for. Um, for your newsroom, it's really hard to write quality stories because it takes a long time to verify facts and get sources. So I do, you know, I do turn to places like the New York Times because I trust that they're doing that. They have the teams. Yeah, yeah they have to the do teams, all the digging. So. Right. Yeah. So how did writing and journalism sync up with comedy? Um, that's a really good question. I wonder that all the time. <laughs> You're like, um, I don't know. Yeah, no, <laughs> as a refuge for I all the darkness. I've been, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been trying to find my path as a writer for a long time, and I really got obsessed with Broad City for a while and thought wow. I would be a Broad City writer. So I took a stand-up class to learn how to write jokes, and then it turned out I was much funnier on stage than on paper. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I was like, well, I guess I just got to get on stage and <laughs> abandon those dreams of writing for shows, which... Yeah, but you wrote your own book, so... Uh, yeah, I well, can write I mean, serious And that's not yeah. still out of the picture. Yeah, we'll see. I, mean, I am trying to write a pilot right now, uh, actually, with a friend. So if it's collaborative and social and I'm talking, I can be funny, but I can't just sit down by myself and, like... Write the jokes. Yeah. And, and does this pilot have anything to do with uh, two good friends who have similar haircuts? Because I know a couple of oh, yeah. ladies that oh, are yeah. looking are you for guys writing. <laughs> no, no, no. You guys could maybe be in it, actually. Uh, no. <laughs> the pilot's about... Do you about, need a podcast yeah. uh, for the pilot? Is that what you okay. asked? Exactly. Yeah. Some kind of, we don't have any black jobs all the time. I'm sorry. I was thinking about us in the pilot. So we I definitely have out. not cast the pilot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we would love to cast, be in a position to cast the pilot. Um, so is your is your comedy, does it have these political, is it, it the, what, no. what, can, what we, can we expect yeah. tonight? Not in the slightest. No spoilers, but what's your whole gig I talk about like my love life mostly okay. and like, emotional things like that I, I don't talk about politics or anything good serious. for you I, I don't know I'm like very I, I don't I, my identities are split I don't I can't make compartmentalize yeah I just yeah. don't understand it but on stage I'm very different I have a question because yeah. I saw you and Annika actually at the same show months and months and months ago uh, at Milk Bar okay Months. I don't remember this show. Is I that remember when you got the pizza stolen yeah, from a, a homeless home, man? A homeless guy uh, ate the top of my pizza but left the rest of it in the box. That bothers me. I'd rather he just eat the whole thing. That oh, he let me. He said. ate the topping? Yeah. <laughs> he just ate the top and left the bottom. Well, maybe he's, he's dairy free, gluten free. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> 
He's a top, apparently. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's what happened at that show. And yeah, anyways, but are you guys normally on the same bills? I think that was the first yeah. and last time that we were on the same Yeah. Bills. There's just so many talented comics in the Bay. There's yeah. so many people that I've seen once, and I'm like, this person's awesome, and I want to work with them more. And then we just never get booked together, partially because... You know, there's a ton of talent everywhere. Partially because some male bookers are like, oh, we got our lady, like, whatever. You token so, woman, yeah. Both of those things, and, yeah. you know, there's, there's elements to it. But I think that's the only time we've done a show together. Yeah. I think so, too. Do you two mind and split it up, talk about women in comedy in in the Bay Area? Yeah. This is Anna Casilla, by the way. She's also... <laughs> they? They yeah. are also... Yeah. I'm sorry. They're also performing tonight yeah. at That's What She Said. Yes, I, ca- I came in late, which is why I'm just suddenly like, hey, hi, I have opinions now. It'd be weird if I was just silent the whole time. Yeah. No, well, I they, saw you sit down next to Erin, and I was like, oh, I'm glad she's so comfortable. Yeah. They, yeah, they, so comfortable. They've been sitting here the whole time in silence, and now they're like, yeah, and another thing, those male bookers. That's their hill to die on. I don't, so I've only lived in the Bay for almost exactly a year to date, so I can't speak a ton to female or non and or non-binary um, comics in the bay but one thing i've noticed is it they're, they're incredibly supportive of each other like i i've it's it's very very uplifting and exciting to see a community scene where women and non-binary comic, comics are just like legitimately friends outside of it mm. or if they're not like friends it's not like a, oh I don't like that person it's just like a, your co-workers or your friends and I yeah. like that a lot because I come from a scene that can be a little bit more um, not necessarily as friendly so it's it's just been really refreshing to know that like there's kind of a built-in support network and a built-in community just by showing up which I really really like that mm-hmm. a lot. and there's so many talented funny non-straight white dude comics in this scene and I love it so much. <laughs> Don't need to hear from them anymore. Let's see what everyone else has to say. So. I'm a fan of that. Yeah, I totally agree with Annika. Um, I think the women, I have so many female comedian friends that I hang out with on a regular basis and it's great because we we share such a similar experience so it's very bonding. I think that there are a lot of challenges um, one of the things that really bothers me that male comics have said to me a lot is that, oh, well, you just talk about sex or oh you're just God. dirty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just and it, it's really frustrating. <laughs> wow. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's it's just like being judged for your I get judged a lot. I feel for, for my content and, and for no your matter perspective. Yeah. For yeah. No you. matter how much I'll make people laugh if I'm not if I'm talking about something sexual, I feel like. They um, write me off. Which is frustrating because, like, I feel like both you and I are, you know, we address bodily stuff and we address our sexuality and sex and stuff. But I think that's the, the problem is that men are allowed to be dirty or filthy, and women are only like a, a, a woman comic who's doing dirty stuff, it instantly gets relegated to filthy. Because I feel like filthy humor is like where you're like, Oh, gee, uh, uh. Yeah, know, versus right. dirty, where it's like, okay, it's a little, you know, we're talking yeah. about racier stuff. Yeah. But I feel, and I feel like with men, you can be like, oh, that's okay, and then they're allowed to be filthy too. But for for women, it just immediately goes into like, oh, you know, I'd like you more. You're a real Amy Schumer because you just talk right, about sex, yeah. and it's like, oh, 
Fuck you. And then yeah. that, and that's the only the basis for Amy Schumer is the only reference for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a problem definitely. too. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, just trying to get respect. It, it feels like a challenge, very challenging. I feel like women we respect each other but getting it from the guys. I mean, I stopped caring after a few years. Yeah. <laughs> but initially, you kind of have really to, hard. right? Yeah. I mean, once you kind of have established yourself a little, you have the shows you run, you have your friends. It's not as big of a deal what some male comics think of you. Um, but that was one of the biggest issues I had. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm going to let you eat your tacos in just a minute. Oh, okay. But uh, <laughs> before we wrap this up, Annika, <laughs> do you want to talk about your comedy a little bit and how you wound up? W- weren't you in the Bay before? And then you. No, this is your first time. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, how did I, you wind up here? How did I wind up if here? If you want to share that wow, story. This is so sad. So. Or. No, 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 no not sad. <laughs> no, not sad. Like boohoo, but sad. Like oh, you pathetic, thirsty bitch. So I started stand up <laughs> because I wanted to have sex with a guy. Because he's like, I was friends with this guy, and he's like, yeah, Annika's really funny. She'll do stand up someday. And I was like, if you say so. I mean, I'd always wanted to, but everyone has that <laughs> catalyst where they're like. They want to, they want to, and finally there's that thing that pushes them because I had a crush on this guy who was like, okay, I guess I will, which is sad. And then I moved here because I was dating someone down here. So a lot of my big life changes around stand-up have centered around men, which is why I preface this with like, this is sad, okay? Like, but what your motive is, neither here nor there. I'm very, very happy that I came down here because the, the difference between the Seattle scene, which I love. I love that I started in Seattle. It has a amazing, vibrant scene, but the way comedy is viewed in Seattle versus the way it's viewed in the Bay is very different, and I'm really, really happy to be down here because comedy in the Bay is a lot more about... It's a lot more business-oriented. It's a lot more about, like, how do I make stand-up my profession? How do I make writing comedy? How do I make sketch my profession? Versus in Seattle, where I felt like uh, more of the focus was on it as in an artistic endeavor which is great but there was sort of this vibe of like you get a vibe of of oh I've heard this person do the same joke three times why aren't they writing new stuff versus down here where it's like they did this joke a hundred times because they're honing it and they're making it TV ready mm-hmm. because they're polishing it they changed because it a they're little commodifying and... it but in a good way so I don't think that's wrong at all because most of our no. major life lessons are from having loved and and love lost. So yeah. and that's what brought you to us today. So thank you to these men and to your decisions and I you made no these complaints. leaps and it's awesome. I love it. It's yeah. a good story. Yeah, it's not I mean, you know, I never ended up sleeping with that guy and I don't know if he knows that I was <laughs> he was the reason why. I've told this story before and enough people know who it is that you think it probably would have circulated to him by now, but <laughs> thanks Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news on Bitch Talk. <laughs> it was Mike. <laughs> I don't see a point in thinking too hard about like your motives for doing something. If you ended up in a right. better place eventually and you're not harming people along the way, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, and if someone makes you passionate enough to do something you've been wanting to do for a long time, that's great. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, whatever. Cheers. I'm excited. I can't wait after talking to both of you. I can't wait for the show. Thanks for I know. For being I'm, here. E- I'm excited for comedy. Anna Casilla, where can people find you? Socials. Oh, on the side. <laughs> or uh, at your apartment. <laughs> I know. I like, well, I recently Mike, moved. Mike, I'm uh, in Temescal. Very nice. Big fan. Um, you can find me at Annika Sila. It's 
A-N-I-C-A-C-I-H-L-A. Uh, -I, -I, I know this is going to be written down, but I like to spell it because it's a very stupid name. Uh, that's Twitter. <laughs> you can find me, same, at Annika Seal on Instagram, Facebook. I, I think that's all the ones that I have on my website, AnnikaSeela.com, for my upcoming show dates. I think that's about, that is about everything, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, and Ali Lippman, uh, where can they find you and your book? Um, yeah, just go to readallisonlipman.com and you can sign up for my newsletters, emails. I will email you directly. So if you sign Ooh, uh -oh. up for it, <laughs> I'm serious. Or you can look on my Facebook page, Allison Lippman. I seriously will get in touch with you. So do it. <laughs> I know this from Facebook. All of, all of you reached, uh, emailed very quickly. So thank you so much for being at That's What She Said tonight. And thanks for being on Bitch Talk. Thank you. So that was Ali Lippman and Annika Sila. Both featured comedians tonight at That's What She Said, the monthly women's event, Women with an X, because we accept anyone that identifies as a woman or female into this space. Uh, in the Fillmore, the social study. The filthy Thank more. you for the wine. Come thank back you next so month. much. Incredible. We are just saying thank you to Suzanne from who is the woman of Barone Fini wine. Barone Fini. Uh, <laughs> they were our first. That's what she said. Sponsor, and and we were tasting Pinot Gris. Pinot Gris. Uh, you taste one, then you taste the other. You decide right. which one is your favorite. And I chose theirs to be my favorite, which also oh. happens to be the cheapest. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm proud of myself. Good I for won. you. So you, you picked right. What's that? You picked right. Yeah. Uh, Every their, time. Their Pinot, is, Pinot Grige is $12. Oh. And the opposition is 21 Excuse and, me. And uh, it puts it all in perspective. Like, fuck the prices. It does put things in perspective. I was at a winery yesterday. At that winery? Yeah, hanging out with fucking Michael McDonald's. Yeah, I heard about that. That's, that's beside the point. Jealous. But they were selling wine for $12 for a glass, or you can buy the bottle for $35. And I was like, bottle, bottle please. please. Yes. Duh, Cheaper. Duh, bottle me up. Duh. Before we just kind of probably go into a little bit of a basic bitch at the end of this one, I do want to talk about a few episodes that just released. If you haven't uh, downloaded yet, so we rebooted our Boots Riley interview that we had at the end. Reboot of Boots. Yeah, we, we interviewed him, Bitch Talk did, in uh, November of 2015. It's a really good interview, I think. I don't, did you re-listen to it? I you did re-listen to. to. And, um, it's and good, right? It awesome. It's fucking good. And I think we did talk about this last time or a few weeks ago when we were teasing it. Like, I forgot how psycho freaking... Karen got about it. Like, I don't oh, want to. I'm not saying it's like, but she was like really amped. It was that was her person, and she did really well with the interview. And she knew everything. We were hands off. Uh, yes. So <laughs> thank you, Karen. She, she was just for your yeah, service. She was just so amped up, and I remember yeah. going, "Oh, she was really excited for this interview." And I like then, that you said. I know what you mean, psychopath, because. You just meant she was really excited. Yeah, well, I mean, like, that's how I am. If I meet somebody that I really wanted to meet, I'm a freaking complete psychopath. About yeah, you're like, and the best part is, is that, you know, that was a time where it was still chill with him. He was, at the time, just an activist, musician. People who knew him knew him. 
people who were on the fringes like you or me knew the name. We're, we're still at a women's event, by the way. We're still at the social <laughs> study, everybody. If you, if you can't tell. You were really excited about Boots. But he was a musician, an activist, an organizer. He's a local dude. Still doing really good. And just writing a, a screenplay for this film called Sorry to Bother You. Fast forward to now. That film, in s- just currently in 16 screens opening, made over a million dollars in a weekend. 16 yeah, screens. I was about to say that. Yeah, I saw, I saw the uh, social media post yeah. for that. Amazing. And, and he's, I mean, I don't know. All of the promotion around it. All of him just doing really grassroots work, is what, which is what he's really good at, has really worked out for this film. So it opens up bigger later this week, which is Friday, July 13th. Um, but go listen to that. Uh, we had Shauna Festi, uh, Boundaries, on the show, which she was a great interview. Um, you know what's doing really well is Won't You Be My Neighbor? And we have and RBG and RBG, um, but I don't. RBG is a little more selected theaters. Mm. Won't you be my neighbor? In fact, um, my neighbors, my neighbors, who I love so much, tried to see it this weekend just on a whim, and it was sold out everywhere in San Francisco. Oh my god! They I called love that. every theater to find out or to figure out where they could see it. They couldn't on a Saturday, <laughs> so they ended up going back on Sunday and going to like the first screening of Won't You Be My Neighbor. So we interviewed the director back in April, I think. And that film came out in May, and uh, it's still going strong in yeah, theaters. No, I actually, I think it's uh, one of the biggest document, one of the biggest grossing documentaries. Either Lakeith or Boots, or maybe Sorry to Bother You, did some social media over the weekend, and they took a screenshot of like a yes, an it article. Is Annapurna? Yeah, and it was it was an article, and it had like the headline, yep. and it was basically the two films. Sorry to bother you, you know, killing in limited release, and then. Uh, won't you be my neighbor? Biggest grossing doc of all time, or, right. all th- or of, of 2018, or something what like I, that. What, yeah. what I love, what I love about that is that says where we are as a people yep. and what we're trying, what we're seeking, <laughs> what we're in grasping terms of for, art and and film and entertainment, and we don't. Maybe we do want more Marvel and this and that, but really we just. Just fucking give us something different. Give us something new, or show us some kindness. Show us, <laughs> show us, something show us that something we're not different. seeing in mainstream no. today. So uh, we're hungry for it. We're starving for it. Right. So we have all of those interviews for you at bitchlockpodcast.com. It's all updated. You just click on episodes. You can also find all of our socials there. But I just wanted to let you guys know. I do want to tease that we are going to have a really special guest on the podcast. Well, a few special guests this week. It's kind of crazy, an, you guys. This is going to be a crazy fucking This is week. when I think uh, the tables are going to turn a little bit for Bitch Talk. I don't know how exactly, but all you faithful listeners, we're going to have... We already have good content. I'm really proud of it. Um, but we're going to have the guys from Blind Spotting, which is a really excellent film with Rafael Cazal and David Diggs. Uh, David Diggs is famous for Hamilton. He was in the first um, cast of Hamilton and won Tonys and won Grammys. He's also part of the hip-hop group Clipping. Um, but it, he's the writer and star, one of the stars of this film called Blind Spotting, which takes place in Oakland. And that movie really spoke to me. Sorry to Bother You spoke to me on one level, and Blind Spotting spoke to me on more of a day-to-day level, actually, about Oakland and San Yeah, Francisco, very the magnified, specific. And gentrification. Um, but so we'll have those guys on, and really, really special is that um, 
a girl uh, by the name of Erin Lim Me tweeted at a guy named W. Kamal Bell, and I will give props to Char because she was like, just start tweeting at people because that's apparently how you get guests, like bigger guests on your show. I tried it with Tessa Thompson, didn't work, but I got a like from the studio for it. I think you should keep with Tessa Thompson. I, I think, think it'll happen. Her. But um, I tweeted W. Kamal Bell because I saw his recent Netflix special, um, Private School Negro, which is very special. And uh, just asked him to be on the show because we're women of color, we're people of color, we've done a podcast for five years, and we're here in the Bay Area. And he's like, yep, get in touch with my PR people and we'll do it. So that's going to be coming up for you guys. That is going to be a very, very special episode. <laughs> I'm so And we're excited. holding on to that for the 300th episode. <laughs> so it's a, little, we're, it's a little crazy right now in Bitch Talk Country. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know what else to say except there's a lot of really good things happening and there I think there's a lot of bubbling and it's weird in the podcast world because there are a lot of things that take off very quickly and there are things like us that it's been a slow trickle but people are paying attention and Shar's really hanging on <laughs> by thread but I appreciate that she is but I think she sees it. I mean you've been in radio, you've been in broadcast. I think people are seeing it. Well, it's just different. I mean, and there's if, a lot of. If you're listening to this, you're you're a podcast listener, obviously. Right. And right now, what's like for myself, like you know, as a as a radio broadcast producer, slash now, you know, like kind of finding a niche in yep. in, in podcast producing and consulting and stuff. It's it's kind of the wild west of podcasting mm. right now. And things are happening, and things are pe- people are paying attention to what we're doing. Yeah. And what I like about what we've done as a show is the fact that we've we have 288 episodes under our belt. 89 now. And and so the fact that you know we've been doing the we've been doing it for this long, and there's people that are just kind of catching on to the train. And so we've got that. It's like what's you know. As one of my favorite podcasts said, uh, the startup. They the, one of the first things is what's your what's your competitive edge? What's the edge that you have over everybody? The edge is we've been doing this for five years. Five years more than everybody else has. We have a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. and we're professional. And you know, and we're just like I, we. So the fact that it's we do our homework. We've we've been doing it. And we've got this. So when people do, the reason people are taking notice is because of the fact that we have stuck with it and we have developed this, you know, this core and this following. And we we do swing hard and hit these home runs with these big guests. And so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of our little magic that we have. So it's like, why why would you let go? What? what why would you let go of the magic, you know, even especially when it gets hard, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, one thing that makes me feel really uh, honored to be part of Bitch Talk because I came late in the game. Well, yeah, she, uh, by the way, this is Captain Party. She's new to the podcast. <laughs> and when I say new, she's been on here for like four years. <laughs> four out of the five years. But still, I wasn't she's an originating. She's been on a hundred and something. <laughs> Uh, on the surface, we're we're a female-led podcast. Yep. That's amazing. We're minority yep. Asian women. That's that's great. But generally speaking, I think that the things that we talk about are across the board. Uh, and all are you women, we give good interview. Well, <laughs> I give. Good, I am. That's uh, another hashtag, by the way. I give, give good, good interview. We give good whatever it is. Yeah. 
But I'm, I'm just saying across the board, I, I feel like, and, and from the feedback that I've been getting, is this things, uh, the things that we talk about is uh, uh, that everybody can relate to, whether you're a woman or a man. But it's just uh, nice to hear it from a different perspective. So uh, I'm honored to have this platform. And um, I'm, I'm also excited when people say that, that that maybe something connects with them. So, yeah, fuck it. Let's keep bitching. Yeah, so we're going to keep bitching. We're going to have big um, pop culture icons on like W. Kamal Bell. Like David Diggs and Raphael Cazal from Blindspotting. Yeah, like the magnum condom of uh, interviews. Right. We we had a magnum condom I- conversation with someone earlier today. <laughs> yeah, we talked about magnum condoms. Anyways, you're going to get that so anyway, in a lot more. So we're getting the magnum condom of podcasts. Ruby Ibarra. Who, Fucking you, Ruby Ibarra. Ugh. If you don't know who she is, just Google her. It's R-U-B-Y-I-B-A-R-R-A. Um I don't know. Angela and I saw her again. We've had her on the podcast, but uh, we coming, saw her. Hip hop artist, female, Filipina. We saw her at the bad Apple, bitch. We saw her at the Apple store over the weekend. And I just, I looked at Ange and I looked at Jeff, my boyfriend. And I'm like, she's going to make it. And we really just have to have her on the podcast now. Cause she is. So it's just going to happen. So, so anyway. um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think this year has been a really good year for bitch talk. And I'm, Thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you for that's what she said for supporting us. And I know we're here every month. We're here first or second Monday of every month, depending on when holidays fall. But we're here. We're interviewing the, the women that are speaking and um, getting their perspectives. And it, we're growing. So I hope you stay with us. And I think really a review would be so awesome. Even if you give five stars and just say good bitches, you know, you know it takes two. On sec- what? What are you talking about? Just two seconds. Just like or, or iTunes, iTunes, whatever. Just review us because it's just like right. better, that really helps. helps. Better yet, even just hit that. Just click on that subscribe button. Yeah, you just, just click. All you do, subscribe. You, you click on that subri- subscribe You just type funny we're, we're bitches. Good. You know, that's like 10 no. seconds of your life. But Google Play, iTunes, what else is subscribing? Any of your podcast apps, just subscribe to Bitch Talk, and we thank we you. We get more credit when you guys subscribe. We, we, we just want to keep, keep doing what we're doing and keep bringing you interviews with really beautiful, interesting people that inspire and, um, and motivate you to... To live your best life and to uh, 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 say fuck you to the government and, and <laughs> create the government that we, we, we deserve. Right. That's a whole other podcast. But yeah, I mean, we're here for the people. So we'll see you soon. Bitch, please. <laughs>